So last Thursday was Ascension Day. Some of you came to our service online. That was the day that we remembered how 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus led his disciples up the Mount of Olives. He blessed them for the last time. He told them he was sending them as his witnesses to the whole world. And then he rose to heaven. He took his place at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all creation. It was the day, as I saw in a meme earlier this week, the day that Jesus started working from home. And today is the Sunday after Ascension. And then next Sunday is Pentecost, when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. Today is right in the middle, right between Ascension and Pentecost, right between Jesus going and the Holy Spirit coming, right between Jesus' absence and the Holy Spirit's presence. And I love how the painting for this week captures that sense of both absence and presence. How there's this wide, empty plain and this far off home. And at the same time, you can feel the presence of the wind stirring the feathers. The theologian John Painter calls the Holy Spirit the presence of the absent Jesus. The presence of the absent Jesus. And that feels just right for today. Well, our text for tonight is from Acts 1 that Melinda read for us just a few minutes ago. And the first thing that we heard in that passage was Jesus telling his disciples this, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus leaves. He ascends to heaven to reign over the kingdom of God, and the disciples are left waiting for the Holy Spirit. They don't know the timing. Jesus has just said, you don't get to know that. That's not your thing to know. So they're just waiting. So what do they do in the meantime? Well, reading from verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And that's where I want us to go tonight. I want us to spend some time in that upper room with the disciples I want us to hang out there with them as we pray and wait. And I wonder, what do you think it was like there? What do you think the feeling, the atmosphere of the room is? You know, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he's never been shy about showing us that the disciples were real people, that they had real feelings, some of them not always the most flattering, We've seen the disciples scared and ashamed and surprised. We've seen them doubting and impatient and confused and sad. So we would expect Luke to show us something like that here, if that's what they were feeling. But it's not what we see. 
Now, in fact, in the Acts passage, Luke actually doesn't give us any clues about how the disciples felt. But fortunately for us, Luke loves this ascension story so much that he actually tells it twice, once in Acts and then once in his gospel. And in his gospel reading, Luke does tell us how they are doing. He says that after Jesus's ascension, the disciples were filled with great joy. Jesus's ascension gave them joy? And we can kind of imagine that the ascension would give all of heaven joy, that it would give the Father and the Holy Spirit and all the angels and, and maybe even the whole cosmos joy, because finally the rightful king is on his throne. And that means that this new day is dawning for all of creation. And there's even more than that, because Jesus took human flesh itself in his own body, this body that was wounded, that has holes in the hands and in the sides and in the feet. He took a human body into the throne room of God to reign forever. And then he was sending the power of heaven, the spirit of God, to live in human flesh on earth. And so finally, humans and God, earth and heaven, these two realms that have been estranged and just torn apart for such a long time because of sin and suffering, they are coming back together again. It's all happening, and the heavens would rejoice at this. But the amazing thing is that the disciples are rejoicing too. They get it, and they are experiencing joy. Somehow this ascension has made it possible for the disciples and for us to participate in the joy of heaven. A bishop from the Church of South India put it this way, the tomb is empty, Jesus is risen, death is conquered, God really does reign after all. There's an explosion of joy, news that cannot be kept secret. Everyone must hear it. A new creation has begun. One does not have to be summoned to the task of evangelism. If these things are really true, they have to be told. He says that Jesus' ascension is an explosion of joy. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said something similar when he called the ascension, the joy of God ignited in the world. And the flame from this ignition lights and heats the prayers of those disciples in the upper room. But in this story, that looks kind of small. It looks kind of homey. The disciples are just in a room. They're praying and waiting. And even though everything about Jesus's mission and his rule and his reign is cosmic and global and forever, the disciples' part in it right now is small and local. 
their new life as these witnesses of the kingdom, as these bringers of joy to the world, well, it, it begins right where they are. It begins behind closed doors where no one else is watching. It begins basically in a living room and it begins with waiting. I think that upper room suggests to us that being Jesus's witnesses begins right where we are. The part of our witness is waiting. That God is not asking us for more busyness, more activity, more striving, more straining. So often, God is asking us to wait and pray wait and pray wait right where we are for the power that only god can give what god wants to do in and through us doesn't depend on our busyness but on the power of the holy spirit and so we wait for it i think this is incredibly good news for us as we are in quarantine and we feel stuck. We feel like all we can do is wait and pray. We're desperate to do something. Well, I have a story to tell you. It's a personal story, but it's also an ascension story and it's a joy story. And in a way, all of you are part of this story because it's a story about incarnation, about our church, long before it was a church, when incarnation was just waiting and prayer. Now, many of you have joined in prayer over the, few week, the last few weeks for our friend Steve, who recently had a stroke. Steve is our outreach partner in West Asia, and he and his wife Tara have been faithful witnesses there for many, many years. I hope you will all get to meet them sometime. You will love them. And Steve knows what it is to wait. Steve knows what it is to long for the Spirit's power to pray and to wait. And that's been most of Steve's witness. And back in 2016, Steve spoke at a retreat that my family attended. And to be honest, I don't remember anything he said. I just remember how his words were like that explosion of joy for us. I remember how they filled me and my husband Trent with this longing to be witnesses in our neighborhood along Columbia Pike, to see God's kingdom in the place that we lived. And so when the retreat was over, we drove home, we got back kind of late afternoon and needed some kind of transition activity and so I went out to pick up some baklava from this little Middle Eastern bakery that was near our house just for like a, an after dinner dessert. And after I picked up the baklava, I sat in my car in the parking lot and I looked at the shops in front of me. There was the Middle Eastern bakery I'd just been in. There was an Ethiopian market. There was a Middle Eastern market. There's a hookah bar that sometimes sells kebabs on the sidewalk when the weather's warm, it's probably not licensed. There's a Latin grocery, 
and this Palestinian restaurant that packs the house during Ramadan to serve a nightly iftar. And from my car, kind of still riding that retreat high, I prayed blessing over all of them. And I imagined what it might be like for people from all these different cultures and languages to break bread together, to worship together, to be welcome at each other's tables, to be welcome at my table. And then I noticed something in the parking lot. There was a little sign in this back corner that I had never seen before. It was kind of beat up and rusty, but the sign said, Mount of Olives Shopping Center. That's where I was. Then I noticed something in the sky right above it. It was this fragment of a rainbow curved around the sun. And I'm sort of like a nature geek, so when I see atmospheric phenomena, I actually know the names of them. And so I knew that what I was seeing was called a sun halo. Sun, like S-U-N, it's a, a rainbow ring around the sun. But in that moment of prayer, I felt like I was seeing a sun halo, S-O-N. I felt like I was on the Mount of Olives, worshiping the ascendant Son of God, crowned in glory. Like I was seeing the ends of the earth where his kingdom would someday reach. I felt like a witness to that joy of God ignited in the world. And then nothing changed right away. Incarnation wasn't a thought in anyone's mind and it wouldn't be for months and months and months. It wasn't for me to know the times or seasons that the Father had fixed by his own authority. That was just an upper room time. It sparked this season of praying and waiting and wondering, this time of joyful longing to see what God was doing. And that, that period of waiting, those prayers, are what made it so easy to say yes, when eventually, months and months and months later, our formidable rector Liz came and asked if I would want to be part of this church she was planting along Columbia Pike. And those prayers shaped my imagination for what this church might be. Well, I think we're in another upper room time as a church. And I mean that partly just in a calendar sense. We're between Ascension and Pentecost. Next Sunday, we'll celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and the message of God being miraculously translated into multiple languages. And we'll ask God for the gifts of the Spirit. Pentecost is coming, but it's not here yet. So this is a week of waiting and prayer. But I think there's another deeper sense that we're in an upper room time because we're in quarantine. We're all spending most of our time huddled indoors waiting. We're Jesus's witnesses, but we can't go anywhere. We can't touch people. 
We can't go buy Middle Eastern pastries and chat with the women making them. We certainly can't buy bread together. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us and make us witnesses in this pandemic world. And we have no idea what that will look like. So in this week before Pentecost, I want to invite us to see all of our places of quarantine as one big collective upper room where we are waiting together as a church, where we wonder what God is doing and where he is leading us, where we ask him to fill us with joy and longing and creativity and hope and eyes to see his glory as we wait together. And there are lots of ways to do this. You could join us this week at any of our regular prayer times, Compline, morning, midday. It doesn't have to become a new routine for you, but maybe just something this week only as a way of entering into that upper room, focusing your prayers, joining them with others. Or maybe you want to be intentional as you walk your neighborhood or go to get takeout to pray blessing, to listen, to notice. Or maybe it's been a long time since you felt filled with great joy and you want to remember, revisit a memory of joy. Maybe you want to spend some time there with God this week to ask him to show you where he is in that memory to ask him for more joy. There are many ways for us to pray in this upper room this week. But as we enter our time of silence, I'm going to lead us in a very specific one. I'm going to pray the words of Acts 1-8 personally, first for us as individuals, and then for us as a community. And I would invite you to do this same thing all week, as often as it comes to mind, to pray these words and notice what stirs in you and to wait. Jesus, it is not for me to know times or seasons that you have fixed by your own authority, but I will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon me, and I will be your witness along Columbia Pike and Arlington and Alexandria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, it is not for Incarnation Anglican Church to know times or seasons that you have fixed by your own authority but we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we will be your witnesses along Columbia Pike and Arlington and Alexandria and to the ends of the earth.